0: Welcome to Round Rock Church of Christ. We're glad you're listening. If you're in the Austin area, we'd love to have you join us this Sunday at 830 or 10 a.m. Or you can check us out and watch online at roundrockchurch.us. May God bless you as you seek him and may he use this message to give you exactly what you need. NBC seated, church. Thank you for reading that, Sarah. You didn't read it. You memorized it. I understand the phrasing now. Thank you for speaking that from, I'm going to stop. Thank you for speaking that from memory. Question that I have for you this morning, before I embarrass myself more, is uh, <laughs> have you ever paid attention to your first waking thought in the morning? I'm sure you've probably had different thoughts come to your mind. Thoughts like, uh, wow, I, uh, I'm not sure how I slept this way, or I'm not sure why I'm awake right now, or maybe you've thought to yourself, maybe I can hold on for another 10 minutes before I have to go pee. Stats have actually shown in studies that two of the most common things people say to themselves when they wake up in the morning is one, I didn't get enough sleep. And two, I'm not sure I have enough time in my day. Does that resonate with anyone this morning? Isn't it fascinating that in a world of technology and plumbing and some of the most advanced movements in history, that we are still people that wake up every single day lacking. We have a scarcity mentality. We feel inadequate. We feel behind. We feel like we're losing. And we already feel like we don't have what we need. And one of my favorite pastors says the reason why we operate With our hair on fire every single day, at the bottom of your soul, is life is not what you want it to be. So we frantically, we run around, we try to make life what we want it to be. We try to be something that we are not. We try to make our life into something that's not. And this leads us to be people who are everywhere, scattered and just wandering. You ever just been everywhere? You just wake up one day and you're like, man, I got to focus on this. And by the time you get to the end of the day, you're like, I'm completely focused on something else. You ever lived a life where you're just trying to figure out what you need to manage for each day as it is coming? The Bible actually has a word, not just a word, but an image that describes people who wander around trying to figure out, maybe it's a new career, maybe it's different credentials maybe it's compliments maybe it's cash maybe it's credit maybe it's caffeine the bible has an image for that as one who just wanders around sheep that's the image that the bible gives very serious question for you this morning do you ever remember uh do you remember the cartoon uh sean the sheep oh man we lost that image The booth was like, we don't like that image. Do you you remember Sean the Sheep, though? There was supposed to be an image of Sean, but I guess he's not here. Sean the Sheep was like, he was like this claymation. Some of you know what I'm talking about. He was this claymation sheep. It was kind of built off of uh, the movie uh, Wallace and Gromit. Uh, And it was like this uh, live claymation in action. Sean the Sheep, he was this like clever, creative. He could always get himself out of whatever predicament he was in. Little kids like love Sean the sheep. When the Bible talks about sheep, you are not Sean the sheep. Okay? You are not cute. You are not clever. You cannot get yourself out of the things that you get yourself into. When you look through the Bible, when the people of God are described as sheep, it is not in great terms. Okay, It's not the most enduring terms. Psalm 100 verse 3, He made us, we belong to Him, we are His people. The sheep that He has to tend... Luke 15:4. this is from uh, the prodigal son uh, layout. Uh, when he talks about sheep, he's like, it's the lost sheep that wandered off that I got to go find him. In Matthew 9:36. 36, uh, when Jesus saw the crowd, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Matthew 26:31. I will strike the shepherd. This is a quote. Uh, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep, God's people, the flock, they will be scattered. When the Bible talks about sheep, sheep are ones who just wander around, constantly getting themselves into trouble. And the gospel is simply this, that you need a shepherd. You can, your life alone, you will find yourself in places that you didn't mean to be. You'll most likely wander off. You'll find ways to get yourself hurt. And the gospel is saying that you need a shepherd. He will do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. I have a friend who said sharing the gospel is kind of like asking somebody if they want a breath mint. But there's just no way to ask that question without being slightly offensive. You know. It's offensive that the Bible says you are a sheep. You need to be guided by a shepherd. But for many of us who float in and out of church, we know this actually to be true, Right. Life gets good. We feel like we can manage it. We kind of back away. We stop doing the Sunday thing. We fade away from small group. Then something happens in life. We're like, "Gosh, I gotta get back to church. I gotta get back around the sheep." And we kind of cycle in and out. And this is why we've entered into a series that we've been calling Psalm 23. If the Bible was Spotify, one of the most played songs in the Bible would be Psalm 23. It is placed everywhere because it is a promise of the scriptures of not just the name of God, but the nature of God. And when you reveal the nature of God, there are realities, claims to actually claim behind that God. Many people have written Psalm 23, but very few people have allowed Psalm 23 to be written on their heart. And this series is simply just us going verse by verse and just unpacking What are the realities that are available to you from the shepherd? Like that he provides you as his sheep. Now, when we were in uh, verse one, we claimed that uh, the Lord is my shepherd. Last week, we talked about how the shepherd is one who is eternal in his existence. Self-sustaining does not need to rely on anyone He is a shepherd, which also means he is personal. He knows the sheep by name and that this shepherd will provide a life of peace. Not that bad things won't happen, but that he can provide whatever you need in the midst of whatever is happening in life. But in verse two and three, you find how he provides this peace to be kind of intriguing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me. Besides still waters. And he refreshes my soul. That's not a way you would describe a shepherd and a sheep in relationship. At least what you wouldn't imagine. I want you to think about this. For many of us, when we hear that phrase green pasture, we're thinking green pasture like a, like a beautiful scenery in like New Zealand. Like something that's like Super green, something that's super rich. I want to remind you this is a psalm of the Hebrew people. There's one tradition that says that Hebrew literally means desert wonders. This is a psalm that is coming out of people who are desert wonders and they're talking about green pastures and lying down on them in a place where they're scarce of water and resources. The sheep lie down next to water. They don't drink it. It's not the way you would imagine the relationship going. Maybe here's an image for you. Um, When when I first came to this church, uh, we just got to meet a ton of different people. And there was uh, a couple in particular uh, that my spouse and I just really, we really wanted to get to know. We wanted to start on the right foot with them. Um, so we're driving over to their house. I'm not going to tell you their name, but if you've been here for a while, you're going to know who this couple is. We're uh, we're driving over to their house, and I'm giving, I'm giving care of my, my wife the lecture. I'm like, okay, all right, so we got to talk about these things, okay? They'll love talking about these things. Don't talk about these things, okay? They're not going to like talking about these things. And by the way, he, okay, the husband, he cares a lot about his yard, okay? All right, so like like don't walk on his yard. When we park and show up, she's like, I got this. okay." and just about that time as we're wheeling into their house, I'm turning the steering wheel and I lose grip on the steering wheel. And my truck actually on the turn hops their curb and like gets up on their curb and I panic really fast. I'm like, oh, man, hopefully he didn't see. And my wife looks out the window and the husband just staring out there with the garden hose just looking. As my truck is up on his yard. And I get out and I whisper to her, well, maybe the damage isn't that bad. And I look out and of course, there's this massive tire mark just all over his curb. And he just looks at us and he's like, well, that was quite an entrance. I was like, oh, gosh, we got to leave. I'm already lost this job. (laughs) That is not how I imagine starting this relationship. When you hear of the shepherd who talks about lying down green pastures and leads me beside still waters. This is not how you imagine a sheep and a shepherd operating in a desert land. What kind of sheep in the desert lies down in green pastures? A sheep would go and eat in those green pastures. What kind of sheep lies down next to water when you're in a thirsty and dry land? The answer is a sheep who is already full and a sheep who is no longer thirsty. In other words, life with the shepherd, life for you, means that you have a God who can feed you and who can lead you. That you can lie down in green pastures. That you can be beside still water. What does it mean for us to be people who are fed and led by God. C.S. Lewis once said, as far as uh, being fed goes, uh, in God, there is no hunger that needs to be filled. Only plentishness that desires to give. What a word. I had to practice that all week, and I still don't know if I pronounced it correctly. In other words, you must rely on God for your existence. But God does not rely on Anyone. He is self-sustaining. He provides freely what we all need. Not what we want, but what we need. In the Old Testament, when God, is leading, when God is shepherding the people, He shepherds and feeds the people in a very strange way. If you walk through some of the desert narratives in Exodus, there's water coming out of rocks. There's quail showing up places. When God provides substance, He literally He provides manna. It's this weird, flaky substance on the ground, kind of like dew. Literally, the word manna says, What is this? God feeds God's people in strange, weird ways. And if the shepherd did that then, the shepherd still does it now. To be fed by God means that you are fed in really strange ways. Sure, you should keep having three meals a day. And there is something available to you that can fulfill you and sustain you and energize you. That isn't just bread. Even Jesus, when he goes out into the desert, was one of the things that he responds in the temptation? He literally says that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. In other words, you are sustained, yes, by matter. But you are also sustained. By the very words of God. The words of his scripture energize. The words of his scripture help us to know his son. And when we know what what the Son looks like, the Holy Spirit takes the words that we read and consume and starts to transform us into the image that we know of God. This is why Revelation talks about we have hidden manna that is available to us. In other words, what I'm trying to say is God's Word, His written Word, and His spoken Word that illuminates through His written Word energizes you. It sustains you. It keeps moving you and slowly consumes you. When I, uh, when I was in college, I uh, had a uh, well-balanced diet. Uh, I probably ate raisin canes every other day, uh, and life felt pretty good. Uh, then I got married, and uh, my spouse uh, does not eat raisin canes. And I remember the first time I brought her to raisin canes. Uh, and I was like, this place is great, right? And she looked at it, and she was just like, oh, I do not like the color of this menu. And I was like, the color of the menu? What is going on forever? Like, what, what are you talking about? And she goes, there's nothing green on this menu. And I said, what? I said, there's coleslaw. And she goes, and what else? "And Coleslaw. To consume God's word means you slowly have to change your palate. Right. For some of us, we have not built up a lot of consuming of God's word. Okay, we've been eaten off raising canes. I love raising. I love it. Okay, I really do. But we've been consuming ourselves off of that. If we do not nourish ourselves from the word of God, we will nourish ourselves off of the world. Many of you ache right now where the world is. I can't tell you how many people in this church are always saying to me, oh, I just, I can't stand where the world is right now. I'm frustrated. Then stop nourishing yourself from the world. Stop contributing to the thing that the world says, okay, then let's keep pushing all these things. Start nourishing yourself from the word. To consume green things takes time. You don't just naturally want to start consuming what you need to consume. But we all have to practice being fed by the shepherd. Does that make sense or do I need to move off this point? Some of you are like, move off of this point, okay? All right, what does it mean to be not just fed by the shepherd, but what does it mean to be led by the shepherd? It does not take very long in the Scriptures to watch the people of God and know that God is probably not a map quest God, okay? God's more of a turn-by-turn God. When I was growing up, we would, every year we would go to SeaWorld and it was the best thing, okay? And my dad, growing up in the 90s, right? You're like, oh gosh, he grew up in the 90s. But grew up in the 90s, like my dad would print off the MapQuest and it was every, some of you were like, absolutely, that's still my dad move, okay? You would, you would print every directional step and you'd have it with you. You'd go in that RV and you're like, we know every single step that's happening here. The God of the scriptures does not provide us map quests. It seems like it's more of a turn by turn journey. I want you to think of this in one of the desert narratives like early on for God's people when they're learning who God is. One man who learns God is Abraham. And I want to point to you, this is a geographical piece that like has so much rich richness behind it. Um, in Genesis 11, God comes to Abraham and he's like, look, you got to go. I got something for you. You got to go. And what's interesting in Genesis 11 is that you find that this God says, I want you to go from Ur to Haran. And if you looked on the map of Ur to Haran, you would notice that whole journey in Genesis 11 is right next to a river the whole way. Rivers were really good news in ancient times because one, you could only be attacked from one side because no one's going to cross the river. And second of all, you would always have water available to you. But what's fascinating is in Genesis 12, when God comes to Abraham and says, oh, I got even more for you. I got something bigger for you. When he says, I want you to move to Haran, to Canaan. And watch this. When I bring you to the promised land, when you map out this journey, There's no water. There's no river. You walk through the desert. In other words, there is not as much safety, predictability, and comfort as the first journey. Desert. And I guess I say that for us to be aware (laughs) that in our lives, there are seasons where we're going to be comforted that there's water right next to us. And that's great. There's going to be other seasons where God in maturity calls us to the desert and it's different than what we have experienced before. There's a comedian by the name of Nate Bergatsky who uh, very clean, very helpful, very funny. Uh, he's got this line that I think is just so brilliant. He goes, uh, you can know a person's age by inviting them out somewhere. He goes, there's a difference between 20s, 30s, and 40s. In your 20s, when someone comes to you and you're like, hey, you want to go? You're immediately like, absolutely, I want to go. And you're like, you don't even know where we're going. And it's like, doesn't matter. I'm just going with you. Man, I'll burn down my apartment and go with you. That's your 20s. In your 30s, you're like, whoa, 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 who's going? Okay, I want to know who's going. How late are they open? Is it loud? I'm definitely going to drive separate, but I'll go. I'll go. And by the time you get to the 40s, you're offended that someone invites you. You're like, no, I don't want to go. I, no, I definitely don't want I want Eight o'clock, I want to be in bed. Okay? Some of you, you're, you're advancing. Okay, You're still in your 20s, but you're moving to your 40s. Okay? I love that imagery. The encouragement of the Bible is flip that. As you mature, as you go with life with God, there should not be more resistance moving into the desert. There should be more willingness to actually say, I know this God. I know what he's like. I'm going to go through the day. De- yeah, there's not a river that is like super encouraging to me. But just because there's no water doesn't mean that water isn't available to you. I remember at one point I was just praying to the Lord. I was like, why you got to change things? Like, why do you do that? Like, like, I like where I am right now. Why do you change things? And one of the things that the Bible speaks to you over and over again is because God doesn't want you to get locked up on nostalgia. What do the people in Exodus do? They're literally like, man, we really love the food back in slavery. Slavery! Man, we really love those melons, those palm grants back there. Slavery. God encourages us, invites us, moves us because it matures us, it reminds us we are not self sustaining. When things change, we have to lean on him, depend on him, and we get to draw from what Jesus calls living water. Jesus literally said, you can amen that louder. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, rivers of living water will flow within them. When we mature, we become less dependent on ourselves and more dependent on the Holy Spirit that guides us in our life and helps provide us in what we need. One of my mentors always says, the scriptures say he's a lamp unto our feet, not stadium lights to a football building. He's going to guide us in each step. And yeah, there's days where being led by the shepherd is really hard. Really, really hard. There are some days where walking through the desert just kind of brings tears into your life. But when you draw from the living water, you get to familiarize yourself with the reality that will one day be. What do you think about in Revelation, like when God, when heaven and earth meet the new Jerusalem, that imagery, when it describes the city, it literally says, and there's a river that runs straight through the middle of it. That's part of the promise of God in Jesus Christ, no more tears. No more of the aches that you carried in here this morning. You can experience that right now with the Holy Spirit. It's available to you. He's the seal of the promise. He's the one that guides us. He's the one that shepherds us. He's the one that can feed us. He's the one that can lead. This is available to each of us this morning. The invitation. But it's also an invitation to us collectively as a church, together, that we can be fed and led. And this is the point where I think it's just really good that we should actually pause. I think we should reflect on the story of our church and what we're going through and walking through. So I'm going to invite one of our uh, leaders. We use the term elders in this church. Uh, If you've never met Ken Cole before, oh, you're going to that side, okay. Uh, If you've never met Ken Cole before, uh, just imagine like, a cup of warm tea embodied in a person, okay? All right, that is, that is Ken Cole. How you like that description? You feel good with that? Yeah, I feel good with it. <laughs> uh, we, we have been on a journey of being uh, led and fed, uh, just simply to put it. Um, I would tell you that nearly a month ago, uh, Ken and I sat up here and we just said, hey, here's kind of like what has been happening in the life of our church Uh, we've kind of been through an exodus. Uh, It felt like times we were trying to make things happen on our own and it just wasn't working. Uh, We went through a long kind of dry season, like everyone was like, so what are we doing? And we're like, man, we'd love to know. Um, There were some complaining um, that went along the journey as well. Um, And I think one of the things that brought us confirmation when we felt like, okay, we believe we've received something from God was that God was starting to change us more in the process than being concerned about where we landed with the destination. We felt like we were a church that we were saying is going to be spirit-filled and spirit-led for those who do not have a home. And part of this process has been we opened ourselves up to the Spirit, and we've been fed in some ways that we have before and some ways that we haven't before. Our leadership came together. We've experienced some things that we've never experienced. Before with it. And that's kind of been the journey that we're shooting for uh, for the next three years with it. Does that kind of set you up?
1: Uh, So, when asked uh, where we're going starting in August, uh, we're going to spend the next couple of years, uh, as Zane said, becoming a spirit filled and a spirit led church who is home for those who may not have felt at home uh, with God. Uh, Spirit filled meaning uh, intimacy with God through the Spirit. And spirit-led, meaning responsive to the nudging and promptings of God to live into his kingdom. Uh, we as a as a vision team, staff, and as a leadership, uh, as Zane said, have we've encountered God in unique ways, and we've wanted to continue on this path, uh, even though we didn't always have all the details figured out. Uh, there were several questions just hanging in the air. Uh, there are still a few questions today, even. Uh, but one of the questions... Uh, that had become uh, front and center uh, was a question that we've been asking for many years, even before this process started. That was worship space. Uh, One of the pillars of the vision uh, is providing more spaces and more opportunities for renewal and encounters with God. So not only do we need somebody uh, that would help host these additional spaces and create these opportunities, uh, we've also still been needing someone to fulfill our worship minister role for our Sunday services. Uh, as you all probably know, it's been a difficult on and off uh, three-year process. Uh, but as soon as we said yes uh, to the leading of God, as we announced a, a couple of weeks ago, there was an opportunity uh, presented to us in the person by the name of Clark Sullivan.
0: hmm uh, and we felt that there was uh, a confirmation that happened with this. The night that the elders and the staff were together, uh, and we said, do we do we feel like this is it? We said, yes, we feel like this is it. Uh, the very next day, uh, we are around table with staff uh, and we just say the prayer. We just say, uh, Lord, we don't have all the answers to this. Help us. Give us what we need to be able to do this vision. We say Amen pick up my phone and I have a text message from Clark Sullivan saying, hey man, I've decided I'm going to go into full-time ministry and uh, I think it's going to be in worship. Do you know anyone that's looking? And I put the phone back down and I said, that's interesting. And I don't say anything for a couple days. I sat on, you can ask Michael Waldrop. I was like, are you reading this? now?" like, I don't, like, what, what should we do with this? So after a couple of days, we pray on it. We talk about his leadership and we said, you know, let's just tell him what's going on here. So we literally go to Clark and we're like, hey, we're going to share some stuff with you. This is what we feel like God has placed on our heart. This is some of the ways that the spirit uh, is working. At the time, we were going to bring our vision team together and celebrate. Uh, they had spent 15 months just in it with us. Uh, so we were just like, you know what? Uh, we're going to bring Clark in um, and uh, we're just going to celebrate the vision that's been there. And he can hear some of the stories that go with it. Uh, and part of the affirmation that we felt was uh, Clark came to, into the space, led the space. And the movement of the spirit continued. It continued in unique ways. It continued in ways that we didn't see coming. I mean, a few of you, I mean, one, one person literally said, you know, I, I came to the space and I connected with God in a deeper way than I ever have before. We had stories come out of it. We had living water actually sustain us and flow through us. And we felt like the spirit continuing to move was a sign to us that we should continue uh, this conversation and just talking with the text message that Clark sent us. (laughs) Uh,
1: So it became uh, quite evident that uh, Clark's gifting uh, his leading and just a sincere passion uh, for worship uh, it 's just something that is uh, sorely needed for us to provide a space uh, for everyone to 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 either be introduced to the Holy Spirit or uh, just built in a new way by the Spirit. Uh, we feel uh, immensely blessed that, after receiving other offers uh, to be with other people that Clark has chosen to be with us. Uh, we are extremely excited. And uh, you don't have to take our word for it that Clark is excited, too, uh, because he actually uh, is joining us this morning to introduce himself. Uh, Clark, come on up. Let's give Clark a welcome. (laughs) Got to keep clapping until he gets a mic. (laughs) Your mic is too.
2: Thank you. Uh, Is it my turn or is it y'all's turn? It's your turn. Well, good morning, church. Uh my name's Clark Sullivan. Uh and I don't have a whole lot to say, but I have a couple things to say that I believe wholeheartedly to be true. I believe that God is Father, Son and Holy Spirit, three in one, and that I and I also believe that the Church of Christ sometimes can uh skip out on that last one. We sometimes forget about the wondrous, miraculous work of the Spirit of God. And so one thing I'm really excited about in this church is that uh, your leadership, and and from what I've seen, you are excited about tapping into the work that God's Holy Spirit is doing in and through you. Uh, So I believe that to be true. I also believe that um, God is especially present in spaces where we gather intentionally to worship him. Um, I believe that he is especially present in this room. It says in his word where three or more are gathered, or where two or more are gathered. It's one of those numbers. Where people, where people are gathered in the name of Jesus, there he is. And I believe that he's here right now. And so three, I also believe that God has especially gifted, equipped, and called me to lead worship. Um, and I believe that he's, done, he's called me to do that here. And so I'm excited to partner with you in the work that the Spirit of God, uh, but also God three in one is doing in this church, in its leadership, and in you. Um, and yeah, so I that's about that's about all. Mm-hmm. I believe those things to be true, and uh, I'm really I'm really excited to join y'all in the
1: future. That's Thank awesome. you, Mark. Let's Thank give you. him. A, a
0: huh? Yeah. yeah.
1: So we are uh, so excited uh, for Clark to join our team. Uh, He's freshly graduated uh, from Adeline Christian University. So fresh. Uh, So fresh. Very, very fresh. Um, And he'll be joining us uh, beginning in August uh, after he fulfills some prior commitments uh, that he made uh, through the summer. Uh, We're looking forward to Clark uh, pouring into our Sunday morning worship, expanding and deepening our volunteers, and uh, leaving additional space. Uh, for people to be led and nourished by the Holy, Spirit.
0: Mm-hmm. I feel like this is just a moment for us as a church to make sure that we're we're claiming this spot in our story. Of that, we opened ourselves up. We feel like the Good Shepherd is feeding us, and He is guiding us right now. I mean, we've been doing this for several years trying to figure. Before I even came here to figure out worship, we say yes to God, and here we are. So I just want us to make sure that we remember this part of our story and remind it. And thanks for joining us and doing it.
1: So the Good Shepherd is leading and feeding us today. As we close, would you mind us standing uh, for a blessing? Uh, we thought that it would be uh, fitting for us to proclaim the good news that we have a Good Shepherd available to all of us by reminding each other of the realities that we can claim through his name. So let us uh, say these words out loud uh, to one another from Psalm 23. The Lord is my My shepherd. shepherd. I lack nothing. Nothing. He makes makes me me lie lie down down in green green pastures. pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, because you are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Can we say amen? Amen. May you go and live love being fed and led by the good shepherd.